on tonight's episode of Panels to Frames, Captain America! Hello, and welcome to the fourth episode of Panels to Frames. On today's episode, we will be covering the 1944 15-part film serial, Captain America. Captain America was originally created in 1941 by Joe Simon and Jack Kirby for Timely Comics, which would later become Marvel Comics. He was created in the midst of World War II, just before the United States had entered it, and was a heavily anti-Axis character, famously socking old Adolf Hitler in the jaw on the cover of his first comic and becoming one of the best-selling comics of the 1940s, and even had his comics sent over to the troops while they were stationed overseas. Cap and his young pal Bucky were scrapping with the Nazis on the page as their comic book flew off newsstands and got into the hands of young kids and servicemen alike. Captain America was popular right from his inception, and after another unsuccessful attempt from Republic to make a live-action Superman film, Cap was ready to step up to the plate and make the jump to the big screen. The serial was shot in a month and a half, and the original budget was set at $183,000 but it ended up coming in $40,000 over budget, or just under $223,000, which is $3.2 million today. This made it the most expensive cereal ever made, as cereal productions were usually quick and cheap in order to churn out as many as a studio could. Apparently, Republic was given the rights to the Captain America film for free in an attempt by Timely Comics to increase the sales of the Captain America comic, which also gave them free reign to do what they wanted to with the character on screen, something we'll discuss shortly. And the artists working on the title at the time didn't even know that the film was being made until they went to the movies and saw a USO recruiter outside the theater promoting it. The film featured multiple people in the production that had worked on more than one comic book film in the past, including co-director John English, writers Joseph Poland, Ronald Davidson and Harry Frazier, and veteran actor Tom London. This may have led the serial to feature elements of other early comic book movies, such as an overseas expedition and numerous fight scenes, while also keeping the quality consistent. But it did feature an element out of the ordinary for Republic serials, with the audience learning in the first chapter of the serial the identity of the villain, which usually happened in the last chapter. In the comics, Cap gets his powers from the Super Soldier Serum, giving him enhanced powers and endurance, and improving on his physique quite a bit. He's enlisted to thwart Hitler and the Nazis, along with his pal Bucky, and with the help of his mighty shield, embodying the American spirit. This is not the direction that the serial decided to take. The serial's plot goes something like this. District Attorney Grant Gardner, played by Dick Purcell, the mayor and the police are alerted to several men dying of the Purple Death, each found with a small scarab, and the commissioner reveals that he wishes Captain America would help them. It's then revealed that Dr. Cyrus Maldor, played by Lionel Atwill, has been poisoning members of an expedition he was on in the Mayan ruins, after they all claimed fame and fortune but him. So he created the scarab so they would commit suicide. District Attorney Gardner and his secretary Gail Richards, played by Lorna Gray, foil some of Maldor's plans, including his use of the dynamic vibrator. That's really what it's called. A device that can take down whole buildings with its vibration. Cap continually takes out Maldor's men and plans, finally defeating the main villain at the end, 
with Maldor having to face the electric chair for his crimes. Despite the film being a very loose adaptation of Captain America, it was very popular for the time and is still a passable film serial, and certainly one of the better comic book superhero films of the era, even with the drastic changes made to the character and story. Modern critics give it favorable reviews, most notably for its tense action scenes and Lorna Gray as Gail Richards not being the typical damsel in distress as most superhero movies or movies in general portrayed them to be. Although Captain America does sport a classic if not comic accurate costume and rides his famous motorcycle, the Captain America serial made so many changes to the story and character that it could be considered to be Cap in name only. Some of the changes included changing Cap's alter ego from young army recruit Steve Rogers to District Attorney Grant Gardner, and Cap's shield was changed to a gun early in production, as a stuntman was hurt when they initially tried to use it. But this movie is also infamous for what it didn't include, such as a fan-favorite sidekick Bucky. There was no super soldier serum to make Cap, or at least it's not mentioned that he has it, and Cap's first and main enemy, the Nazis, were not featured or mentioned in any capacity, strange considering that they were the entire reason Captain America came into existence and that the film was made in the middle of World War II. This could be attributed to the fact that the script was originally meant for another superhero, and some slight revisions were made to the script to make it fit Captain America. Film historians have speculated that the original script was supposedly a sequel to the 1940 film serial The Mysterious Dr. Satan, featuring the hero, The Copperhead. This also might not have been the original hero that Republic Studios intended to adapt. There is a small bit of evidence to say that Republic was initially working on an adaptation of the France Huron and Jack Kirby superhero, Mr. Scarlet, whose secret identity is District Attorney Brian Butler. This is indicated by the third chapter title, The Scarlet Shroud, in which nothing Scarlet appears and there is no shroud. All of the changes to the character reportedly made Timely Comics very frustrated, but because the rights were given to Republic for free, and they had a contract, Republic refused to make any changes, as the serial was already deep into production, and Republic was infamous for making changes to characters. This was the 32nd of 66 serials Republic made, but it was the last comic book superhero film from the studio. Throughout Republic's history, they mainly focused on B-movies and serials, and they were considered a mini-major studio, notable for helping develop such stars as John Wayne, Gene Autry, Roy Rogers, and Orson Welles. They made movies up into the 1950s, with a small comeback in the late 80s, before fully caving in during the mid-90s. The movie was re-released in 1953 under the title The Return of Captain America. This would, surprisingly, be the last time that any Marvel character would be seen in live action in any capacity, until Spider-Man was seen on segments of the children's TV show, The Electric Company, in 1974. And this was the last time for any Marvel character on the big screen, until the famously bad 1986 film, Howard the Duck. Also of note, the 2011 Chris Evans-led Captain America The First Avenger movie featured a very small part where Cap stars in his own movie serial, possibly a nod to this film. Possibly the saddest part of the whole production was the early death of its star Dick Purcell. Purcell died just a few months after the release of the first part of the serial, having a heart attack after a round of golf in April 1944. Purcell had initially landed the role because of his background in boxing and being a judo black belt. 
He had dozens of roles in movies and passed at the age of 38. Lorna Gray was a regular in serials from the late 1930s up until the early 1950s, being featured in a few of the Three Stooges films and would later go on to star in the movie Fashion Model with future Batman star Robert Lowry. She went by three names in Hollywood. Her birth name, Virginia Pound, the name Lorna Gray when she came to Columbia Pictures, and finally went by Adrian Booth in her later years. She was recognized for her work in Western films, and in later years, she was featured at three Stooges conventions. Gray passed in 2017, just before turning 100. The film's villain was played by Lionel Atwill, as he had played so many villainous roles in his career going back to 1918. Atwill had a long career on Broadway and Hollywood, mostly playing villains and being in horror films, until he succumbed to lung cancer while filming the serial The Lost City of the Jungle, passing at the age of 61. Unlike a lot of characters and heroes of the time, Captain America has had an odd but ultimately triumphant run in comics and movies. While he is now one of the most popular comic characters on and off the screen, after the end of the war, his comics struggled to sell anywhere near the comics he did during the war, leading to his title being canceled in 1950. And although he has made a few appearances after that, his full-fledged return didn't come until 1964, when Stan Lee and original co-creator Jack Kirby reignited the character and made him the leader of the Avengers, leading to the 1966 animated show The Marvel Superheroes and two TV films in 1979. And even though comic readers had known of Steve Rogers since the inception of Captain America, it wasn't until the early 90s that the Steve Rogers version of Captain America would finally be seen in live action on the big screen. But that's a story for another episode. Everything that has come before, and in no small part due to his success in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, have paved the way for Cap to continue to be the cultural icon he is today. On the next episode of Panels to Frames, The Last Son of Krypton. <laughs>